My name is Eric Deal. I'm the lead pastor at Covenant Life Fellowship in Hubbard, Ohio. It's over uh, by Youngstown, Ohio, northeastern part of the state. And you are in the class, How to Avoid Extinction, Keeping the Next Generation Involved in the Church. Now, um, I want to ask a question real quick, because I served as a youth pastor for 23 years, my wife in children's ministry. Do we have any youth pastors in here? Okay, couple. Children's directors, youth pa uh, children's pastors, all right? Anybody just work with 18 years old and younger? It's some, okay, that's more like it. I'll be more specific. So here we go. Uh, this is something on my heart all the time. I, I'll be 48 years old this fall. I know I only look 24. I appreciate it. But... Um, we are in our first position as lead pastors. Like I said, we served in youth and children's ministries for um, over 20 plus years. And um, we loved it. We loved working with youth and children's ministries. And we worked with a lot of families. We saw a lot of growth. And we saw a lot of churches grow because of uh, healthy youth and children's ministries. Um, when we were in Florida, we were down in Venice, Florida. Yes, we left Venice, Florida and moved to Youngstown, Ohio. Because God called us. All right, that's all I can say. Actually, I'm from Warren. My wife is from Erie, so it's kind of, you know, a little bit of shock, but not too bad. But we come back, um, and our board that was interviewing us at the time at Covenant said to us, how and what is the game plan for growing the church? And we simply said, youth and children. You know, the biggest thing that always got me fired up when we would sit in staff meetings or board meetings in the past you, we would hear the, the, the words say or said that, uh, well, they don't tithe. <laughs> I was ready to go right then and there. I'm like, you can't, you got to be kidding me. Uh, we know in Christ's ministry that he spent a lot of time ministering to the young people. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this to you for a reason, because um, evil men in the world like Adolf Hitler always said, give me your youth and I'll rule the world. Yeah. They understood it. But I want to clarify something. Youth aren't our future in our churches. They're now. Because somebody wants them now. And the world is spending billions and billions of dollars to get them. And uh, so I just want to kind of go over some um, statistics real quick. And then I'm going to share something with you. And, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't want to lose you. So let's just get into it. Anybody knows who George Barna is? He's the statistician. So I'm quoting from George Barna. So if anybody has any questions about numbers, talk to George. All right. I'm just the messenger here. So the major challenge for Christian leaders today, soul winners today, is that younger generation. When we left our church in Florida, we served there in 10 years. In 10 years, we watched our youth ministry go from maybe four or five to 25, maybe 30 consistent. In 10 years, that's not good. We were frustrated. We came out of a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. When we came there, there were seven. We left, there was over 100. In just that 10-year window, the culture has shifted. Things have changed. And a lot of what's changed is their smartphones, their iPads, the social media, the network. They had no desire. They didn't even go anywhere. They could talk to anybody and go anywhere they wanted to, right there in their bedroom, right? But a recent... Survey, uh, Christian pollster George Barna found that there's a lot of dialogue about spiritual things going on amongst young people. And after age 
13, all right? We call them out in our church. We call them young adults at 13. They're old enough to procreate. We start treating them like an adult. We don't wait till they're out of school and say, now be an adult, okay? Keep that in mind. But little change has happened. The conditioning before 13 has changed so radically in the past generation. Some research by Barna paints disturbing pictures. He says he claims to have found a new generation that is more skeptical and more resistant to Christianity than were the people the same age just 10 years ago. Like I said, 20 years ago when we were youth pastoring, it, it, we could put kids in a room and they would, take, they would invite us to the Bible study. They did it all. And this generation now, you, you have to almost operate like Walt Disney World before they say, okay, yeah, I'm in. It's, it's show me now. What do you have? Among senior pastors, half contend that ministry is more difficult than ever before because people are increasingly hostile and negative towards Christianity. We see that today in every way, shape, form, and culture. Although teens are frequently involved in Christian youth groups, worship services, Bible studies, by the time they enter their 20s, many of them abandon the church. Between 70 and 80% of our youth in the Assemblies of God alone leave church when they graduate. They will not come back to church if they do until their early 40s. Some of them, when they start having kids and realize, I don't want my kid to go the way I did. That's what we'll hear. Keep that in mind real quick. Uh, partly to blame is a major shift in the general culture. Barna has documented the fact that without much fanfare or visible leadership, the U.S. has created a moral system based on convenience, based on feelings, based on selfishness. And this new moral system that we see happening today resulted when we allowed the public school systems to shift from having Bible-based instructions to teaching evolution, to teaching self-esteem, human potential, glorification of, of celebrities that don't even have anything to really be proud of. And now that's become our young people's heroes. Gone are the days of our real heroes that we had that did things for mankind and humanity and for the world to change it. Families. Families are also distracted away from family altars. Uh, the convenience of entertainment and it's piped right into our homes today. Like I said, just picking up their phone. I don't know if any of you kids, any of you guys, any kids, any of you, I'm not that old. Any of you guys have kids and you ask them. I have a son that is um, 10 years old, 11, 11. He just turned 11. All right, it's going quick. He moved up a grade early because the teacher called us in the first day we, we moved back. My wife homeschooled him for a year. We sent him to a private school and we get a call from the principal, we're like, oh no. <laughs> you know, they moved him up. The kid's mind is constantly going. We're at a show somewhere and he gets interviewed and they, they put your son on the spotlight and they say, what do you want to be when you get older? I'm like, I'm waiting for the answer. You know, brain surgeon, rocket scientist. What's he say? I want to be a YouTuber. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They want to be YouTubers. They want to work the social media. They want to work the networking. We have all this entertainment being pumped in. They can pull their phone up and watch everything and say everything and never leave the confines of their bedroom. Remember when we used to go outside and run through the neighbor's yards and get yelled at, chase lightning bugs? When the street light came on, you went home, right? Some of you are like, I never did that either, but 
See, throughout history, when entertainment became the focus of culture, these themes of shows ramped up the thrill factor by increasingly sinful displays. Our young people are more um, susceptible to seeing visual images of rape, of violence, of death. Now they have no concept of what it really means, and to them, it's just a game. Somebody died. Oh, well, they can regenerate and get a new life, right? It's kind of like the Romans who ended up entertained by feeding the Christians to the lions back in their day. It's just a whole different lion that we're feeding our kids to. So we look at Barna and his research, especially, it was challenging. Concern for the Great Commission has plummeted. It's dropped in the personal evangelism amongst born-again Protestant teens is even more striking. It went from 72% in 97 to the recent uh, statistic that they had in 2009. It dropped to 53%, almost 20% in one decade. Witnessing, making disciples was primarily... Uh, was a primary charge. We know that Jesus Christ told us, go into all the world. It was real simple. We just complicated it. Okay? It doesn't bode well for the future of the church in America, and failure to carry out God's mission usually uh, precipitates something called judgment. I look through the Bible and I read, whenever God says do and they don't, something bad usually happens. Right? <clears throat> Fathers don't bless their children unless they're obedient. Obedience releases favor disobedience has the same consequence on the negative side. God has not been in a habit of prospering nations who are in rebellion. And church, we're there today. We're losing, but we don't have to. The fight ain't over yet because God hasn't called us home yet. Right? So we already see significant disruptions in our economy caused by corruption or sin in high places. In addition, infiltration uh, by unbiblical groups, uh, we, we see it just uh, infiltrating into our society. Islam, secular humanism, evolutionists, sodomites, socialists, finding little resistance from Bible believers anymore. There's satanic churches and communities just popping up overnight everywhere, and nobody even challenges them. Oh, we say it on social media because we're, we're brave there. But if we came face to face, would we have the tools to know what to say and do? See, former generations would have targeted people with these beliefs and shown them a better way. Now, Barna shows in his studies that the 16 to 29-year-olds exhibit a greater degree of criticism towards Christianity than in previous generations. And with a new hostile media that's 24-7 feeding our people, our young people see this. There was a recent study out of Harvard that showed why uh, we have anxiety, fear, and depression is rampant amongst our 12 to 18 year olds, actually a little higher, 24 year olds. It's at an over alarming rate. Can I tell you when I was that age, I was just hoping I had enough gas in the car to go hang out with my buddies. I didn't have fear and anxiety and depression. But what they're showing is one of the greatest things that's happening to this culture now is directly related to their phones and their smart media, their devices, because all they see if they click on any of their stuff is doom and gloom. Doom and gloom, the world's burning, blowing up, going to hell. You got no chance. You may have today, you may have tomorrow. Look at this new virus that's out right now. In God's eyes, nothing's new under the sun. But, you, you know, you're a young person with no hope, and you have no idea what's going on, and you're reading that, you're thinking, oh, man, we're all going to die soon. What's going on? Bible-believing churches have failed 
to distance themselves from cults that are out there. You can go into some churches and not even realize you're in a church anymore. Because we've lost our focus. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a youth pastor 23 years. I love creativity. I love being different. I love illustrations. I love things that when people walk out of a room, they remember that and, and they, they see a, a Coca-Cola can down the road 20 years from now, they'll remember an illustration I used. I love that stuff. But not to the point that I throw the baby out with the bathwater, where there's compromise with what the scripture says. What I found that young people enjoy the most is when they do have boundaries. Oh, they kick and scream, and I'm a, rebe a rebel, and I anarchist, and I'll do this and that. But what they need and want, they want to know they have a boundary because they're comfortable, because somebody cares about me. Now, Christianity in today's society no longer looks like Jesus. And a common theme that Barna found in his research, when God begins to squeeze a nation, there's two reactions that happen. It's either going to be repentance or it's going to be rebellion. From the beginning of time, each heart has to make a choice. As soul winners, we can't help the ones who choose stiff-necked rebellion, but we need to make sure that we find those who wish to submit their creator uh, to God, their lives. You're here this, this day to learn in many different facets, in many different areas, so that we as a church don't think that we're better than somebody else, but that we are better in serving God. Studies show and have shown that somewhere between 60 to 80% of previously engaged Christian youth become disengaged when their faith uh, uh, is a they transition into college. They leave their faith behind. We have great ministries at our universities. There's many of them. Our own is Chi Alpha. And we need to learn to engage our young people right out of high school, where they're going. Fine, call the university. Hook up with a Chi Alpha guy. Find a local church. We've got to keep them plugged in. But what I'm going to do real quick is just share a couple of things. In the Pew Research Survey, two-thirds of people in that survey say that they attend church for four main reasons. You ready? To become a better person to introduce their faith to their kids, to find personal comfort, and to grow closer to God. Now watch this. On the other hand, the same study from the above shows that 20% of those adults attending services monthly or more say they don't feel any real connection to God during church. And at that, 40% don't feel a connection to their faith. They're not being connected. You know, I plug my phone in up here so it could charge, but if I set my phone there and I plug it in the wall, but I don't put my phone in the charger, it's not going to charge. There's a connection that has to happen. So when we see people coming in church, we connect them. We see adults coming into church, we go to them, we connect to them. We see people that can sing or play instruments, we connect with them. We hook them up with the music pastor or whoever. We see people that like to uh, be creative and work with kids. They can do balloon animals. We try to connect them. See, there's always a connection, but where we stop connecting is our young people. We don't plug them into anything. We always say, you know, when you get older, you're going to do this, or you're going to have to do this and do that. So here's a, here's a good thing. Uh, we need to learn to connect with them now because our millennials today, they have no affiliation. They have no loyalty in general. 
Nearly 40% of Americans between 18 and 29 have no particular religious affiliation. That doesn't mean they don't believe in God, but they don't follow anybody or a denomination. That means they're not serving, they're not going, they're not leading, they're not discipling, they're not equipping, they're not being trained, they're not being accountable. I don't know about you, but in our line of work, we can come across some people when we're talking, and they'll start sharing all this stuff, and it's like, where did you get that theology from? There's no one there to keep it in check. It's ready, fire, aim, instead of ready, aim, and fire. So when it comes to attendance, 46% of people attend small churches with 100 or fewer members. How many in here today say I come from a church of 100 or fewer? 200 or fewer. Anybody over 500? See that? That's the average statistic. One of the things that I think we do in our churches today is we say, well, we don't have the resource. We don't have the finances. We don't have, if we were only bigger, then we would have more people to do work. But I know this, being in bigger churches, that doesn't always mean you have more workers. It's the same issue just in a smaller or bigger setting i've talked to pastors in bigger churches of over a thousand and they said the difference is you just got bigger headaches the key is connecting i'll tell you now there's a trend and it's happening in uh church growth right now that they're seeing that the small church is back on the rise because it's personal it's connecting People know something. People ask us when we came to our church. You know, we're outside of Youngstown. Just, you know, five-minute drive, we can be in downtown Youngstown. But we're kind of out in the suburbs a little bit. And they say, well, how big do you want the church to grow? And I said, ask God. It's not my worry right now. I just want to make disciples. I want to excite people. I want to encourage them. All of them. See, the whole family. Not just those that tithe, but those that are now. See, we are one generation from being extinct. That's what I call a duh-ism. Think about it. It's really simple. One generation of nothing happening brings extinction. Our church today, at the rate, if we're losing 60 to 80% of our young people when they graduate from high school in our churches, but pastor, they went to youth group, uh, they went to youth camp, they Bible quiz, they got their gold medal in Rangers, or they were honor crowned in, in the girls' ministry, and they did. That doesn't matter. They're leaving. So what do we do? We engage, we connect, we encourage, and we equip. Look what Paul did with Timothy. He said, don't let anybody look down on you because you are old. Because you have your doctorate. Because you have a good job and you tithe well. That's not what he said. He said, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. He knew. You know what's cool about youth? They got energy. They got drive. They got passion. They got fire. I work with the city transformation team with the mayor and Hubbard. And we're, we do this thing called CARE. Um, and this care program is helping uh, people. It's kind of like the Hurts, Habits, and Hang-Ups thing. Uh, and and we, we meet with families that lost people to the opioid crisis or some addiction. We always talk about the victim, but we never talk about the families. And, and, and we're sitting in there and we're speaking to the families and we're talking with them. Well, this is going so well. We have other communities say, what are you doing? We want to be a part of it. Well, we need to put something together on paper. 
We need videos, we need information. Facebook, social media, get it out there. Not many people read the newspaper anymore. So we said, how do we do it? And I said, let's find youth. So what did we do? I sat and met with the principal and vice principal of our local high school just this past week. And I said, I have a proposal for your media program for your, your students. Maybe you can use it for extra credit, senior project, whatever. But we would love for them to sit and follow us and see what we're doing and create a package that we could use socially for advertisements on TVs, on the internet, whatever it is. And, and they're taking that and they're, they're, develop, they're developing that for us now. What we did is we put ownership. We recognized them. Yeah, they're younger than me, but they're gifted more in those areas than I am. Plus, they're in the know now. All this TikTok and all this different stuff. I thought it was a clock. <laughs> so what in the world's going on? We all want to be successful, right? We want to be healthy. We want to be able to say that we've kept a hold of our young people. We've helped them through growth. We've sent them out, and they're stronger. They're, they're having families. They're bringing their families to church. One of the greatest things I love to see uh, when we're on Facebook and looking, or I talk to some of my youth that we had when we first went into youth ministry over 20 years ago. I feel old when I see their pictures and their kids with them. But I see that they're in church or they're serving in their church or they're, they're, they're worship leaders or they're missionaries or they're evangelists. I love that because you made a little connection. Some of them, I, I promise you this, I, when we first met them, I didn't think they'd make it past the age of 15. And now watch what God's done in their lives because we made that investment. That's why we're here today to learn. So what is it that we're missing out on? Why does it always seem that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? It's an attitude. It's a mindset. My dad always told me when I was younger, son, the greatest battle you're ever going to have in anything you try for in life is between your ears. Hear me. Don't look to the right and left. Don't pay attention to what people are saying. Don't get frustrated and say, well, how they can do this and do that. Or I bought the latest, greatest fad. I opened a box and nothing happened. Because you're you, not them. You know your people, your congregation, your young families. You know your community better than I do. Find what fits and just be Jesus with skin onto them. That's what they need. One-on-one -on -one time, just talking, communicating. You can't always use the same fertilizer in different locations and expect to have the same results. Climates change. Soil changes. Truth be told, there's too many fly-by-night, be-successful-now opportunities. It's killing the church. We say, well, pastor, we just don't have the resource. We don't have the money for this. You find time and money for the things you want. I'm not a financial guru. I did pay off my car and van this year. <laughs> and they know it, so now they want attention. But you show me your checkbook and I'll show you what's important to you. It's the same with the church. We make time and we invest in things that are important to us. We are missing the mark in our churches and are only one generation from paying for it. Let that sink in for one minute. Our young people aren't the future. We said that they're the now. We can't wait until they graduate and then say, go get them. Pastor, how can we connect them? Well, we can't take them where we haven't been. How can you lead somebody somewhere we haven't experienced? Can't do it. That's not leadership. 
And you can't be a leader until you're willing to serve. Jesus 101, right? So here's how it works. Here's how to make it work so you don't become extinct. We need more intergenerational churches today. That means not the old people over here, young people over here. I think we're the only church that I kind of laugh at a little bit, just a little bit. I understand what we got to do. But we call it family night, and then when they come into church, we separate them 60 different ways. Right? It is focused on all generations. That's a multi-generational church. It's a clear pathway for every generation to identify, to bless, to accept. Leadership needs to be reproduced or it will die or the world will try to substitute it with something else. A lie. Deceitfulness. Dishonesty. It should be the church today that takes the lead in defining and affirming and recognizing godly manhood and womanhood in our young people. You know, in the, in the custom of the Bible days, when they were old enough to reproduce, they were considered a young adult. They were pulled out, called out, and expected. So in our churches, how do we include that? We do a thing called Rite of Passage, Raising Men of Honor, Women of Virtue. Lieutenant Colonel Chuck Stecker. Now, I'm going to do, I need to do this real quick because I know time's going fast. But I want to give you my email. Because I get excited, I talk fast, and sometimes I skip over certain things. If something in here I said today, and you go, I, I need to ask a question. What did he say? How did they do that? Why did they do it? Email me here. Ready? It's Pastor Eric, E-R-I-C, at Covenant Life Hubbard, two Bs, H-U-B-B-A-R-D. I was really hoping they had this hooked up because I never got to use one of those smart boards. Pastor Eric at covenantlifehubbard.org. So <clears throat> anything today that pricks your mind a little bit and you say, I, I, I got I to gotta ask, I got to find out, email me on that. Just say, hey, I was in your class. I totally disagree with you. That's all right. I'm used to that. <laughs> or something, you know, you said, I need more info on that. Uh, raising men of honor, women of virtue. We call our young people out starting at the age of 12 or up. We'll call them out. We had the privilege at the crucible here uh, in, um, at the ranger camp this past winter powwow. We have what they call um, the winter crucible. Okay, We take our young men down there and we have the father's blessing. So you have these young men coming down there. They have their dads come with them. And we teach this. I have a whole series. It's a whole weekend. We can do it in churches. We do it. We did it there over a two-day period. And the fathers, or if they don't have a dad, and you know one out of two of our kids in our church today come from a single-parent home. So a lot of us in this room, you're a spiritual father. Maybe you don't even realize it yet, but in your church you are. Be careful. But we call them out. We, they come down, they kneel before us, and we say, we're calling you out of your childish ways into adulthood, out of darkness into light. We put our hand on it. We speak a meaningful word, a blessing. I see this in you. I call that out. I speak life. I speak favor. I speak blessing. These young men stand up. They hug their father. They present themselves to their commander or to the, to the main commander. And they, and, and they pray over them a meaningful prayer. And they say, go join the men. We recognize them from that point. Go back to your churches, serve, ask. Can I hold the door open? Can I be a greeter? Can I be an usher? Can I take out the trash? Do you need help cutting grass? Whatever it is, tie them in. 
Because now when they're connected, it's mine also. We say, wait until you're 18 and then you can sit in big church. Why do we put that stereotype on that as if they're little church and we're big church? I know we don't mean anything bad when we say it. It comes out of our mouth. But you follow what I'm saying? The world is waiting right outside those doors for them. At our churches. Maybe their parents that are coming to pick them up because they dropped them off because it was a free hour of babysitting. Anybody get that on Wednesday nights? I'll tell you what's happening at our church on Wednesday nights. You ready for this? Don't turn me off yet. You may not believe this about me, but when I was younger, I didn't like to speak. I like to get in trouble. But my dad got saved. And my dad got saved because on one Wednesday night, he went to church. My mom had been praying for this. My dad went to church. A group of men said, hey, come with us. They went away. They went camping for a weekend. My dad came back, gave up his drinking, gave up his pipe, and said, we're going to church. Bam. We go to church. We start going to church, and my mom and dad said, you're getting involved in youth, uh, children's ministry. So my brothers and I did. We got up to the age. We got into youth ministry. We got involved in a program called Royal Rangers. Not Royal Strangers, Royal Rangers. All right? <laughs> And then there was a group for girls ministries called Missionettes at the time. Now they call it girls ministry. We got involved with that. You know what changed the life? My dad was saved because of Royal Rangers program. And what discipled his life and changed him is he was able to take what God blessed him with and other men. Other men and they poured into young people like me, young men. Through a program that was designed to disciple young men. The, the leader of the ranger program's name was Johnny Barnes, and he said, never has a man stood so tall than when he knelt next to a boy to pray. That's the concept right there. But in our churches today, we throw the programs away because they're not hip, cool, or whatever. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. It burns deep in me because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that program and my dad. My dad was saved because of the investment. My dad spent the next 40 years of his life giving back in that program, investing into young men. There is not a greater, and I was a youth pastor 23 years. I got my gold medal and I beelined it to youth group because that's where the girls were at, right? <laughs> 16, promised my mom I'd finish the program when I was there. But I'll be honest and I'll share this with you though. There is not a greater discipleship tool out there right now than the Rangers and Girls Ministries. They're on the Ohio website. OhioRangers.com, I think it is, something like that. And the girls ministry, OhioGirlsMinistry.com, it's there. It really, everything's laid out. Everything I just said to you today is put together perfectly in discipleship. All the world, pastor, we don't camp. You don't have to. That's only 10% of the program. There are so many discipleship areas that gets these young men and gets these young ladies connected and tied in. So, Here's what happened at our church. We, we took a position five years ago already. We've been there five years. I can't believe it. It's like a honeymoon. It just seems like yesterday. We walk in on a Wednesday night. The board interviewed us prior to that and said, what are you going to do to grow the church? I said, we are going to invest in our young people. We took a Wednesday night service at that time. There were six of us in our family. My oldest is now in college at Bowling Green. So... There were six of us, and including others that were there, I think we might have had 10 or 15 people on a Wednesday night, on a good night. Now, we run about 75 on a Wednesday night. It's not because Pastor Eric gets up there and sits on a stool on a Wednesday night, and we kind of have a heart-to-heart type Bible studies, or we do some different things, or other people, uh, it's more of a talk. It's not because of me. You want to know what it is? It's our youth and children's ministries that are coming out. The majority of that is our youth 
and children's ministries coming out. We have parents that drop these kids off and leave. They trust us with their kids. I've never met them. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. But they entrust us because their kids say, I want to go to church on Wednesday night. Because they drive by in the spring and they see kids out in the field playing soccer or volleyball or basketball. What's going on there? We have families that have been added to our church, saved, baptized, and two of them have become members of our church in the last year because of our children's ministries. You see the importance of what I'm trying to say? Do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Invest our time in our young people. There's a trend that's taking place. Time and investment need to be made. Invest in your men. Invest in your women. you got great leaders in those areas, man. The, the kids will follow. They don't care about all the latest, greatest fads that they're doing on the West Coast or the East Coast. They just want to know, do you love me? Are you fun? Did you see the new Sonic movie? That's all they want to know. We must start to make the investment now to train, lead, and apprentice those chosen generations that are here now, or we will be extinct as a church in the next 10 to 20 years. It'll be gone. We lose more than 1,000 churches a year in the United States. Shut their doors and they're done. Let that, just think about that for a minute. And this doesn't start today. This has been going on for the last 10 years. Church has the greatest discipleship program ever. We, 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 we have it right now. We see hundreds and thousands of young men and young ladies through two programs I've already mentioned to you today in Rangers and Girls Ministries. Get saved, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, get water baptized. Some of them go to Bible school. Some of them are on the mission field. Some of them are in special forces right now training survival schools. And they say, I'll never forget what my commanders or my um, girls teachers taught me. You invested in me, now I want to invest back. Um, share the vision, share the need. Give birth to it in your leadership, in your meetings. Go to your pastor. Say, I got a fire. We, we don't want to be extinct. We need to stop waiting until they're 18 and then try to plug them in when they're walk, walking away from us. We need to plug them in right now. So, um, I got a great slogan for it. We should call it making disciples and leaders great again. <laughs> Seems to work for somebody else. We call them out of darkness. We call them into light, out of their childish ways, into adulthood. The church needs to take the lead. Too much culture today is affecting our church rather than the other way around. Listen, I love God. I love families. If we're going to be effective as a church and not just be another statistic, we need to look at the family. It's a broken unit today. But we can make a difference. Invest in your children's ministries. Invest in your youth ministries. Invest in your rangers and girls ministries. It will make a difference, I promise you. Now, I need to stop because I need to ask you, who has questions? I'll be nice. Yes, sir. Um, like you, I learned a lot about 
Right. There have been changes like anything in life that uh, they try to uh, improve and modify on. It's more relevant to what's going on today. I do know, speaking to our senior commander, for instance, and you go on, a lot of it's become digital and broken down. So you pay a, 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 um, a yearly dues uh, or whatever, but you have access uh, through the national office to um, get onto your tool books that they can use. And you just print those things off. So what's so great about this, though, is it's already put together. You have to put maybe for a, a week, you, you have to put maybe an hour into that if you're teaching the young guys, because a lot of it's experience. Or if you really want to make it interesting, maybe put two hours into it. It's already done. It's tried. It's true. It's proven. It's there. And there's nothing more exciting when you're younger to say, look at my vest. I earned that. Or when they get older and that you see these young men in their medals. Somebody said to me one time, that's too military. I'm like, what? What's wrong with that? These young men have spent a lot of time. These young ladies have spent a lot of time. Anybody that's been there or seen it or done that, they, uh, they're proud of that. And it is a great tool. We've been out on Memorial Day parades in our uniforms, and people say, Royal Rangers, is that like a Canadian force thing or whatever? No. But funny you should ask what it is. Let me give you a brochure. Here it is. Bam! Wednesday night, they show up with their kid because they want to find out more about it. Actions speak louder than words. Who else? Questions? Yes, ma'am. Right. It's a good question. As a 20-year-old, it's going to be difficult for you because you still feel like I was just there. And they may look at you like you're one of us. All right. But with the young men, I obviously would say be very careful. With the young ladies, here's the one I know happens when they look at you, though. They'll trust you more than they will a bona fide youth pastor that's a woman because you're closer to their age. So how do you connect with them? You be real, you be relevant, and you be relational. That means don't worry about all the programs and all that stuff going on. Just meet them. Say, hey, man, you want to go to Taco Bell and get a Coke? I don't have a teenager I've met yet that said no. But you talk with them. You say, what's going on? Talk to me. What, you know, what's interest, you know, what interests you? What are you doing today? What, what are you going through? How's school? How's life? They want you to ask questions. If you've got to pry on them, some of them you've got to work a little harder to get open. But they know that. But if you are real, relevant, and relational with them, that's all I would say to do. Let them see Christ in you and just be an ear. But make it fun. You know, church doesn't have to be a, a structure so tight and everything else that our tie is so tight and our Bible is so heavy that they go, man, I don't want to be a part of that. Just be Jesus with skin onto them. And if there ever comes a point that you say, man, I'm kind of in a tough situation, go to your youth leader or go to your pastor and say, hey, we're in a dangerous area here. Something was said that's really stirring in my spirit, and I don't know how to handle it. But don't put yourself on an island either. So, um, I'm a coordinator for the ministry. Okay. Our girls have all gold medals. But, I mean, they're involved. Like, I have them at mm -hmm. teachers and helpers, and they're involved in church. Mm hmm
Right. And they're still young. Like, 20, 24. So they haven't reached that personal relationship, I think, yet. But I can see how they can get lost if mm-hmm. they're that involved. Because there's still something missing. Right. There's no easy answer for that. Because every church, we want to have everything that they want so they would stay home. And sometimes they go somewhere else and you say, why are you going there? Well, because they got a better worship program. Well, if you would stay here and play, then maybe we would too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a tough question to answer. I still don't know it. Yeah, because, I mean, they'll watch a YouTube. Right. They'll watch YouTube as long as they can get it on their phone. Right. And watch people talk about stupid stuff typically. Yeah. You know, yep. to get into church and actually feel like right. So you have them working as teachers and whatnot. Yeah. So you take it to the next level when you have them over to the house for pizza one night and you say, look, this is where our church is at right now. These are the areas that we have that we need to improve in and do that. You guys each pick an area where you're going to serve because you've come through. You know the leadership. You know what we need. Not if, but where are you going to serve? Like I see them in life groups. Right. Like they're connecting. Right. That Sunday worship. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes even having a, a, a Bible study on worship. Uh, we actually have one going on at our church during our, our um, discipleship hour. We don't call it Sunday school anymore because as soon as you say school, they go, <gasps> so I just change the name and they go, oh, okay, yeah, we'll come out. I'm like, but worship, maybe something in a class. It's, there's, there's so many different things out there uh, on, on the um, why worship is so important, why worship. And it's an important thing, you know. That's part of the problem. I love worship. I love music. But you see, uh, as long as we don't fall in love, and I see it sometimes in the church today, we fall in love with worshiping the worship instead of worshiping Jesus. And we got to be careful there also with that. All right. Other questions? Yes, sir. Right. You're connecting them, you're making them feel safe, you're loving them in a safe manner, you tell them that you're proud of them, and when they show these things, even quarterly maybe, have a, have a, have a ceremony where you call them up and say, this is Johnny, and he earned this, 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 and this. Other boys start to see that. Boys are competitive, and it's good. See, so we, we don't teach that today anymore. It's okay. Competition makes men men. All right? I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not if you don't compete, don't, don't get me wrong, but we, we frown on winning, 
I think there was a coach a long time ago that was uh, pretty successful that said winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Okay? We play to win. We're playing for souls and lives. So there will be valleys. And you're wondering, is this working? But they will remember. Stay the course with it. Let them know. Include them in. Their, their parents, their guardians, let them know what they're doing. Boast of, parents love to hear good news about their kids, right? You don't want the principal calling saying, Johnny got in trouble again. You like the principal saying, man, your son is the best student ever. And you're kind of, oh, man, we're going out for burgers tonight. <laughs> Include them. Anybody else? Yeah. We call them out in front of our church. We let people see. We let the... Uh, the grandmas, they love it. The grandparents, man, they'll come out. We'll pack out a church on a Wednesday night when we hand out awards. People I've never met before, I won't see them again. But they'll come out to see their grandson get an award, take pictures with them, hugging on them. They're proud of them. And guess what that does for the young person? Now I'm connected. Somebody else had a hand. Right. This is an. It depends where your culture is from. There's so many different areas. I, I feel what you're saying because I was the same way as a kid. Why are you judging me? Well, you're acting like a jerk, but you can't judge me. Right. But there's a better way I could have addressed it and said, come here, let me pull you aside and talk to you. I had a, a guy in our church that was retired special forces. He spent time with me. He took me flying. He took me ultralighting. And it was his kind way of saying you can act like a jerk. And nobody will want to be your friend anymore. Or you could start doing things that people are going to want to be your friend. And see, spending time with me in a constructive way and doing that. And, and sometimes firm hand around the back of the neck saying, I saw what you did last night. Let me know that he knew he loved me. And that the next time we'll go to my mom, which was death sentence. All right. But it, there is a fine line to be, not be constructive, uh, destructive. But to be constructive, I had a pastor I worked for that said, never bring a sledgehammer when a fly swatter will suffice. Wow. All right. Anybody else? 